Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Alright folks, as you know, it's Thursday. And Thursday, folks, is on Thursday. But we're going to talk about the importance of less than a week from now. And this will be our final analysis, prediction, prognostication with our friend, the founder of Daily Coast, Marcos Melitzis, um, before election day. And so we're happy to have him here. He's been keeping our optimism levels up high. Let's see if we can keep them up and drill down into some of these numbers and see where we are and, and really think about what's gonna happen um, on next Tuesday. Marcos is here. Marcos, welcome to Thursday Ghost. Four years of of waiting for this moment to arrive, and it's actually just around the corner, and it's really incredibly hard to believe. Um, but we survived. We, sur- we survived those four years, which, you know, I think we should pat ourselves on our backs because it hasn't been easy. And now we have these last few days and it's an all out sprint. And I hope everybody's leaving it all on the road because um, we need every last vote to turn what I think is going to be for sure a good night into the best night. And the difference between those two outcomes is absolutely massive in terms of impact and policy. And so we need that best night possible. Yeah, yeah. So let's start kind of where we left off. You've been focusing a lot with us on Florida. Still looking good there? Uh, Florida, <laughs> Florida, Florida, never depend on Florida. The day we need Florida, because if we, if Florida decides that we're screwed, um, I don't trust Florida. And the, Early vote, it looks it looks good, but we're still seeing weakness around Miami-Dade in Orlando, which is exactly what cost us in 2016, which is exactly what cost us in 2018. Um, whatever the Democrats have built, whatever machine they built there, I, it's, I'm still not seeing that sort of hole in our GOTV operation in those two Democratic regions. And it's mostly Latinos. And it's not the Cuban Latinos, they vote and they vote Republican. It's it's more recent immigrants um, from Central America and it's Puerto Ricans. They're not immigrants, um, but they, you know, they've arrived from the island and they're just not voting at the numbers that they should. So this is an actual long-term problem. Um, then of course there's there's Republican efforts to suppress the vote of the former felons, which a ballot initiative enfranchised in 2018. So there's a lot of work to be done in Florida. I'm actually more excited about what's happening in Texas and Georgia, to be honest, because uh, Florida, 
Florida, Florida's gonna Florida. I mean, <laughs> Florida. I mean, the polling says we're gonna win, uh, but it's very, very close. And again, you know, polls aren't votes. And if Democrats can't pull out their core uh, Latino Puerto Rican vote in Miami Dade, Broward, and in in, in Orlando, then it makes it incredible, incredibly difficult to win statewide. Can we still do it? Yeah, but it's a lot harder. Yeah. yeah. So you feel actually feel better about Texas and Georgia. Tell us I what do. What you know. Yeah. Well, Georgia for sure. Georgia Georgia was already on the path of uh of becoming a blue state. I mean, Barack Obama only lost it by 3 points back in 2012. Hillary Clinton only lost it by 5 points. Um and so I don't know if you remember, Mark, but, you know, 10 years ago, we were talking about Georgia and me going like, Georgia, Georgia is the place. I kept saying there's 700,000 unregistered African-Americans in Metro Atlanta alone. And we used to throw out those numbers. And then Stacey Abrams came on the scene and she got most of them registered. It's actually quite incredible what's happened on the voter registration front in Georgia. It's an incredible story. And the latest civics poll, we just released a poll, um, I think it was yesterday or, or again, all the days are blending in together, but it was yesterday. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, Joe Biden up five points, 52-47 in Georgia. I'm feeling pretty good about it. And even more exciting is that, no, six points, 52-46. Even more exciting is that we are over 50% in one of the Senate races, the John Ossoff race, which would avoid a runoff election because uh, Georgia has a Jim Crow law that requires runoffs um, for anything under 50%. And there's a special election. And that one, I think he's my favorite candidate of the entire cycle. It's Raphael Warnock. And we've been talking about him from early on when nobody knew what the heck we were talking about. Right. Uh, Warnock, we have, um, uh, we have him at 48%. We have him close to... to um, to an outright majority. Now the problem there, it's a special election. All the candidates are running on the same ballot. And so you have 22 candidates on the ballot, including Matt Lieberman, Joe Lieberman's son, who is an utter a-hole and has refused. And he's been calling, he's been calling Warnock the establishment, right? The, the head pastor <laughs> at Martin Luther King's church is the establishment. And he's a total jackass. And he is getting, uh, he's not, we've seen a support crater. I mean, Georgia Democrats are consolidating around Warnock, but there is a very, it was already really difficult to get to 50% on that race. Um, I think Matt Lieberman made it that much more difficult. And so that one's probably going to go into a runoff in January, Mark. It's going to be World War Three in Georgia um, as Warnock tries to regain that scene. I could see Democrats raising hundred million for the guy in a month. I mean, it's going to be explosive and he is legitimately an incredible candidate. So I'm pretty excited about Georgia for sure. And Texas, Texas registered, um, just in the last three months, there were, um, no, 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 no. This is Georgia. Sorry. I'm even getting my Texas and Georgia's confused. 300,000 people registered new voters in Georgia in just the last three months. One million new registered voters since 2016. That's the power of what Stacey Abrams and allied organizations have been doing in Georgia. And that's why it's a whole different picture. And so a lot of people saw this and like Joe Biden up by six points in Georgia. That seems crazy. And it, it totally seems crazy, but no doubt about it. But given the number of new voters, given the turnout that we are already seeing, it is, uh, it is, it's a different world. And if these numbers bear out, and again, I guess we'll know in less than a week, Mark, if these numbers bear out, uh, we're going to see a Georgia that within a couple of cycles will be like Colorado, you know, a formerly competitive state that's just blue. So I, I'm also hearing that what's motivating these long lines in Georgia is exactly what happened to Stacey Abrams. And it's always motivation. We saw this in 2012. When you suppress or threaten to suppress people's vote, they're more motivated to go out and vote. And that really should be the case across the country. 
it should be, it probably is. But I've been specifically hearing that's part of the enthusiasm in Georgia. I saw just on yesterday um, more Twitter um, activity calling for Lieberman to drop out of the race. Um, you know, at this point, it's a week out. They can't take his name off the ballot, but he should have. Said people, half the people have already voted already, too. Yeah. You know, one of the things and, that we've noticed in, in our poll is that we ask people who have already voted and those who haven't voted yet. And of those who have already voted, Lieberman was at 1%. And of those who had not voted, he was at 3%. So I, I wonder if there's sort of this third party effect where people think they're supporting a losing candidate. They walk in, they're like, am I really going to throw my vote away? And yeah. that's what may be happening in, in Georgia. But, you know, Mark, they've been suppressing votes forever. Right. Yeah. So something's changed. Something has changed this year. And I don't know if it's social media. Um, I don't, it might even be just social media. People are seeing it very explicitly and it's so blatant because Republicans are realizing they're about to get absolutely blown out of the water. Uh, the, in Texas, right? That was a great example of, of Republican governor Abbott limiting the number of drop boxes to one per County. When you have Harris County is bigger than 22 States. Just mm -hmm. Harris County is bigger than 22 States. And they, wanted to limit that to one, one, one drop box. When you have these podunk rural counties, you know, with 5,000 people, they get their own ballot box too, right? I mean, it was so blatant. And Texas is within the next couple of days gonna hit the 2016 vote total, just in the early voting period. They're about, they're at 80 some percent right now, 85%. They are gonna hit and turn out in Harris County. And so people are not using their drop boxes, right? They're just voting in person. That's what they decided to do instead. But I am absolutely convinced that by trying to limit the drop boxes, it sent a signal to sort of peripheral, peripheral Democratic voters in Texas that, oh my God, if the Republican governor is this afraid of us voting, it's because he has reason to be afraid of, of, of us voting. And that has dramatically supercharged uh, turnout in in texas and texas leads the state i mean it is absolutely crushing everybody in the number of people that have voted it's absolutely the most beautiful wonderful thing i've ever seen and republicans were already in trouble because their five biggest states by electoral votes are all battlegrounds texas florida pennsylvania north carolina uh georgia um uh, yeah those are the five big ohio those the six biggest states by electoral votes are all battleground states. And some of those are trending red. Ohio's, I mean, we're looking good in Ohio this year relatively, but it's, it's trending red. Minnesota's probably trending red because these are white rural states. Um, Pennsylvania, it's, it's tough. But Texas um, and Georgia, in North Carolina, those three states are all trending blue. And there is just no world in which Republicans are viable nationally. If Texas and then throw on Georgia and North Carolina, if those states start becoming purplish blue to blue, and Texas is a blue state, it's just a question of people not voting, right? right. Georgia, same thing, it's a blue state, people not voting. If those states flip, it's over. It's over, they, they don't have a national party anymore. Quite fascinating what's happening. So I'm really, really excited about what's happening in Texas. Um, so MJ Hagar, does she win? Does she beat Corner? You no, know, this, this is a tough one. In a lot of states, the Democratic Senate candidates are running ahead of Joe Biden. Texas is one of the few exceptions. She's running behind. And there she's had a name ID deficit in, in Texas. And... Um, it's an expensive state. And she wasn't raising the kind of money that a lot like a Jamie Harrison was raising or a, uh, or in Kentucky, what, um, what's your face in Kentucky was raising, um, which has pretty much been wasted money in a lot of ways. Um, as much as we'd love to kill, <laughs> kill off um, Mitch McConnell, Kentucky's a really, really, really tough state. So MJ Hagar didn't have the kind of money she did. And now very late, a lot of money is flooding in, ton. But about 80% of people have already voted. So 
I'm not sure what the super PACs were thinking waiting this long. That might be one of the biggest miscalculations of the cycle. Now, if Biden manages to win Texas by three points, I think maybe he drags her over the finish line. I just don't, I mean, the polling certainly doesn't say that. Polling yeah. certainly doesn't suggest that Biden, if Biden wins, it's going to be one of those where he wins by, you know, half a percent. And I'm not, I'm not, I haven't lost hope that Hagar pulls it off, but that it's, it, it I think that's going to be one of our heartbreakers to the hot mm-hmm. Tuesday night. Either the, either the biggest surprise or just, you know, losing by, a, you know, one, two points. It long-term though, it means, I mean, Ted Cruz, you're done. Cornyn, you're done. This state is moving in the wrong direction for them. And um, Trump has accelerated you know, Texas's move to uh, purple status. Um, and I mean, just in general, I mean, Trump will have been, it's a death knell of the Republican Party. It's kind of absolutely fascinating if we can close this deal. And again, we're, we're this close. We're, we're two points, probably two points between a 50-50 Senate and a 55-45 Democratic Senate. That's the difference. So you mentioned the death knell a couple of times. We had the death knell in 2008. And, and I'm going to go back to the calculation in a minute, but, but I just want to say this. Um, the Obama administration, of which Joe Biden was a member, and I just talked virtually mm-hmm. today about how good Joe Biden is working across the aisle. Um, okay. That administration, <laughs> it was a death knell in 2008. And it was so confirmed. I had James Carville sit in my studio and tell me on and off the record just how much of a death knell it was or should have been. And then there's this need, well, we're gonna throw him a lifeline in the spirit of unity and America and and all of that. And what concerns me is that it ought to just stay dead. If people say, oh, how can you say that? But Marcos, as you and I have discussed this before, you know, Marcos and I have been doing this over a decade. That's why he can recall what we talked about in Georgia for over a decade. The Democratic Party is a party of one name, but it's actually a party of many M-I-N-I and M-A-N-Y parties with all the different constituencies. The Republican Party is not a party. It represents solely the interest of wealthy, privileged white men doesn't even represent the interests of most white people. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you say let's have unity, you're not making unity with an entity that is actually serving mm-hmm. the white folks that Reverend Barber serves. Reverend Barber could almost, you know, we talk about black political party. So I could say, well, let me form a black political party. Um, mm-hmm. Wouldn't have to do that if African Americans took their rightful place in the Democratic Party because there already is a black political party. But Reverend Barber is the one who is most qualified to build a white working class and poor political party because they're all with him. They're more them with him than are even represented within the Republican Party. So I just hope that when people hear us say death knell, it's, it's a necessary death. This is where euthanasia is necessary. Because the longer it lives, the more confusion, disruption, disunity. We keep reliving the Confederacy. And we've been yeah. reliving that for 100 years longer than we should have. Strom Thurmond resurrected that. We keep resurrecting these old Confederacies. So anyway, that's my rant for the day. I, you can respond, but. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. I mean, it was absolutely frustrating to, to see Democrats have 60 seats in the Senate and uh, big House majority. And Obama winning against not even a, a crazy Republican, right? John McCain. And, but conclusively the country saying, this is the direction we want to go. And then Obama, you know, and, it's, and you have Mitch McConnell and company talking about openly about how their goal is for Obama to lose the next election. And they sat there trying to get bipartisan um, consensus. Now, it was a different Democratic Party. And I think people who, you know, newer to politics don't realize it. It had Joe Lieberman in it. It had Max Baucus in it. Uh, it had uh, Ben Nelson in it. And so these people, literally, their entire brand was 
We're going to be a-holes and make sure nothing ever happens because they need to uh, kiss our ring and rub our feet, do whatever, right? I mean, I don't know what they wanted, but they sure as heck were not in line with the Democratic Party majority and they stymied it. And at the time, they allowed the filibuster to rule supreme, right? So you needed to get all of them aboard. Now you have a Democratic Party in the House and in the Senate that is more ideologically cohesive. Now we still have uh, we still have uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. We have Kristen Sinema in Arizona, who's a flaming liberal. She just plays a conservative Democrat because that's what she thinks she needs to do to win in Arizona. I think as Arizona turns more blue, she will turn more blue along with it. Um, the um, so you you have um, a party that is more in tune, more in line with what we're going for. And, and you know what's really amazing um, right now moving forward is that you hear Joe Manchin, he's pissed. I mean, Joe Manchin has sounded like an actual Democrat the last month. Uh, Angus King, who has been, who at one point flirted with switching parties to the Republican Party, he's talking about expanding the court, right? Mitch McConnell and his party overreached in a way that even a Democratic Party that that loves tradition for whatever reason, I, I will never understand. They love the traditions. Oh, here, let's give you Republicans pink blue slips so you can block judges from your home states. Democrats didn't get that, you know, that power. But the Leahy of Vermont gave that power to Republicans for some crazy reason. You don't hear um, Democrats talking that way, and even Diane Feinstein, who you know, who presides over the Judicial Committee, um, she's the uh, ranking member in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, she so mismanaged the Barrett hearings mm -hmm. to the point where she actually literally hugged Lindsey Graham, talking about what a great process it was when Barrett didn't answer anything, literally no questions, and. You have a um, not a single Democrat would defend Feinstein. Like mm -hmm. they went, they tried it, and like none of them yeah. would defend him. No, nobody would even say, "Yeah, she'll still have that job. She'll be the chairwoman of this committee next year." And so I, I think there's there's a change, and this is where having a a big majority matters. A fifty fifty Senate with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker vote isn't going to get us to eliminate the filibuster. Isn't going to um, get us grant a statehood for DC and Puerto Rico. Isn't going to have a. Isn't going to be enough for us to expand the courts. Isn't going to be enough for a nationwide voting rights standard that protects everybody's right to vote. So we don't have to win by ten points in order to actually be able to say, okay, that was legitimate. That won't happen with a fifty-fifty Senate because there's going to be some a-hole somewhere, it's Joe Manchin or Cinema or, or Hickenlooper from Colorado, there's going to be somebody who's going to be a, you know, total jackass. It's inevitable. And then people, people are going to be like, oh, the Democrats can't do anything. And it's going to be like, no, because we don't have the majority. The Senate's already an undemocratic body that, that preferences rural, white, conservative states. And so that's why we need 55-45. If we have that 10 seat um, padding, then we don't care what Manchin says. We don't care what Cinema says. We don't care if, if Leahy or uh, Coons of De uh, Delaware, these traditionalists, these institutionalists, some of them aren't even conservative. Some of them are just like, we don't like things to change because the Senate should be a, a story body of debate and high-minded principles. And it's like, you see who's been running this place? You see who burned it to the ground? And it's so, you know, you see McConnell, he sees these Democrats and he has so little regard for them that he literally taunted them as he confirmed Barrett. He literally said, there's nothing you can do about this. When everybody's been talking about, yeah, there is something we can do about this. We can expand the court. And McConnell, you know, well, ROGB said that nine was the perfect size of the court. Like, yeah, she also said, don't, Freaking replacement until after the election, a hole. Don't even don't you don't say those words. You're not allowed to say her name, a hole. So um, that's why there's so much writing in this election, and that's why when people talk about oh we don't 
you know, we're afraid of complacency. I mean, I, Mark, maybe you see it somewhere. I don't see complacency. I see people going like, holy crap, we can win a Senate race in Kansas. We can win Senate races in Montana, in Texas, in South. We can get rid of Lindsey Graham. People are donating record amounts of money. They're voting at record rates because I think we as a movement finally learned that the presidency isn't enough. Mm -hmm. that there is far more to it. I mean, we won a state Supreme Court race in Wisconsin in the middle of spring by 10 points in races that Republicans used to win unopposed. We wouldn't even run candidates for Wisconsin Supreme Court because we were so disengaged from what matters politically. And we've learned over the last decade and two decades since we've been doing this, people have learned that, oh yeah, that Supreme Court race actually matters. And we won it by 10 points. I mean, we wouldn't even turn out for those races. We turned out for those races. And that sort of hinted that, okay, maybe Biden, I mean, maybe Trump doesn't really have, uh, maybe he is really in trouble in Wisconsin, right? When you win a state Supreme Court on a low turnout time of the year by 10 points, you're sending a message and you're sending a message that we are fired up and we cannot wait to vote everybody out. So I'm not worried about complacency. I'm worried about getting the non-voters. The, the same thing we worry about every election cycle is the people who just don't vote, period. How do we make sure they vote? Because they're the difference between our good night and the best night. And so much is at stake with the best night. And like I said, I'm expanding the courts, statehood for DC and Puerto Rico, uh, a national voting rights bill. I mean, yeah. And, yeah. and getting rid of the filibuster on day one. Yeah, no, we, and we've got to be about it. And and I get it too. I want to be fair. Biden doesn't have to say that today. We're going to go four corners, run out this clock until Tuesday. But after Tuesday, if he wins, you're right. 100 first 100 days, the migrancy agenda. And everybody's talking about that. George Floyd, Justice and Policing, H.R. 40, a lot of stuff. People saying, let's get it going, statehood. Let's not even forget all that, you know. And you don't even have to. When did bipartisanship become having to deal with Mitch McConnell? Mm -hmm. Right. Why is it bipartisan? I'm going to help you Republican voters. Right. right. That's bipartisanship. It's saying, you know what, this bill, it's going to put, let's do a $10 trillion um stimulus. And yeah, you in Wyoming, you didn't vote for me. I don't care because this is what bipartisanship is. I am going to send you money. I'm going to save your businesses. I am going to support your local economies. I'm going to make sure your hospitals have PPE and have all the resources they need to fight this pandemic and so on. That's bipartisanship is where you help everybody. It's not dealing with Mitch McConnell. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. You're right. He doesn't care about those people. But, but just to be clear, because I always like for us to be holistic, I must be fair. The the problem and the reason, you know, Biden is gun shot, and he's old school, but it's not just old school people like him. This media atmosphere that has been created with the main, mainstream media, that anything we do, even in defending ourselves from the right, is seen as um, being disproportionate to what they do to us. So, so the mainstream media only uses the term court packing when it comes to us in January. They never call these almost 300 judges uh, what um, Trump yeah. has done and McConnell have done together. They don't use the word packing for that. You know, so there's still this need. Nor O'Donnell on the 60 Minutes. As, as bad as the way Trump acted with Leslie Stahl, you know what stood out for me? You probably saw it. No, O'Donnell asked Kamala if she's a socialist. I mean, just totally out of the context of whatever. And so there's still this hostility. Oh, they're going to pack. They're going to take over everything. You know, the British are coming. And, and so somehow we've still got, in, in this process, we've got to push back against that, Marcos, figure out a way to get the mainstream media to end um, the false equivalency. 
you know, so I just want to I just want to say that I'm, I'm not naive to that. It's, it's going to be a battle. So, folks, winning. Here's the moral of the story. People say, well, what difference does a vote make? Well, you're right. That's just one day. Winning means working, organizing, mobilizing 365 days a year. All right. Not just on November 3rd. That means November 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, all the way up to January 20th. We have to defend what we voted for and hold it accountable and make sure it happens. OK, let's do this. Um, you want to walk through some battleground scenarios that would make us vic- victorious uh, of those five or six key battlegrounds. We do we need to win all of them? Wait, before I do, though, we haven't talked about Michigan. Um, that's starting to look a little crazy. And I don't understand that. But do you in what race? When the presidential, they, they, they're saying it's tightening with Trump. And- oh, we're not seeing any tightening. And Trump's not, pulled okay. out. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, that was the first state that Trump and his, you know, they pulled out. Trump's broke. I mean, they only have they don't have any money at this point. Um, and it's in our numbers. I mean, we're seeing it. Uh, we're seeing it double digits. Biden. I mean, it's 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 just not close. Again. We're assuming people vote, right? But I'm not seeing any drop off on on that front. Um, on the presidential front, the big three are Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And it's funny because some people are being triggered by the polls, you know, because they remember 2016. And we can there's a whole story there. Polling's different now. It's not the same as then. Hillary was under 50 percent in almost all the polling. It was stuff like 46, 42 just meant that the undecided went to, to Trump. And we know that in the, in the exit polls, right? All the polling now, Biden's over 50 in the states that matter. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin and Michigan are pretty solid. Nobody's worried about those anymore. Pennsylvania is probably about, consensus is about plus six Biden lead, which is pretty solid. But nobody, you know, it's still in the realm of like, okay, like, let's really focus on this one a little bit. And we've been really directing our readers at Daily Coast to do phone banking in in Pennsylvania. We would really want to lock it down. That's all Biden has to do. You win those three, that's it. And he actually has decent leads in all of those. Now, everything beyond that is gravy or it's service to the Senate races. And if you look at Joe Biden's travel schedule and, and Harris's at this point, it actually mirrors the competitive Senate battlegrounds. It's it's Texas, it's Georgia, um, it's um, where else did he go? That um, North Carolina. It's they're the they're the expansion seats, uh, but there's also down ballot benefits to those, and um, those will. I mean, we want those. I mean, we want we want. In an ideal world, Biden wins with 400 electoral votes, right? You just want Donald Trump to walk away knowing that he is the biggest loser in American history. That would feel good. But we just need him to lose. <laughs> so there's a there's a problem, though. Here's, here's a, the problem with Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania is that the legislatures in all three states are Republican. They're the legacy of us staying home in 2010. See, this stuff matters. This stuff matters. So people stayed home in 2010. And Republicans won everything, that Republican wave year 2010. And those legislatures are still creating trouble to this very day. And what they've done in those three states is that they prohibited the counting of any early votes. So they've set it up. This is the big Trump plan, right, is to win the day of the election vote and then go to court to stop the counting of the early vote. And now in three states again. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, they're already counting their ballots. Uh, I'm pretty sure Texas is already counting their ballots. Georgia's already counting their ballots. Uh, Yeah. So most states, but in those three states, because they were the three states that were seen as, um, I mean, I don't think Republicans expected to have to fight for Arizona and Texas and Georgia and, and so on. Right. So they really focus on, on the three states that they thought would be the, the whole election. Are they already counting too? Who? Texas. I believe so. Okay. Uh, I believe so. I, I could be wrong, but uh, I'm pretty sure. Now, the states that are going to be particularly interesting, not just for winning the election, we may not know who won Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, 
um, and uh, Michigan. Now it's looking to be so lopsided that we, we may actually know. I mean, it may be obvious by election day that Biden has won those, but let's assume that it's closer and let's assume that the vote count drags on for an extra couple of days. What would be great is um, if we could win outright Florida, Georgia, or North Carolina. We are going to know who won those states on election night. And what's more is that they're early states, right? They're East Coast states. If the race, if any of those three states fall to Biden, it is impossible for Trump to win the election at that point. I mean, not impossible, but so, un, you know, it's impossibly unlikely. That would not only deflate Trump, it would deflate the militia crowd, it would deflate the lawyers. And so his entire ability to create chaos would be uh, undermined, if not completely eliminated. So we don't need to win Florida, Georgia, or North Carolina. But if we do, I think it dramatically reduces the possibility of violence and chaos. And so they become outsized important um, as we head into these last few days. Okay. And all three of those are, are close states. I mean, none of those are going to be um, are going to be blowouts by any stretch, because those midwestern states are looking. Those Rust Belt states, it's not looking overly competitive at this point anymore. Um, I'm looking at Texas. It appears that they can start counting absentee and mail-in ballot. Okay, with a couple of categories. There's absentee and mail-in ballot processing, but then there's absentee and mail-in ballot counting. Yeah, it's a big difference because you know they they they're they're in two envelopes, the ballots, right? They're in the privacy envelope and then the mail envelope, and you have you're going to have about ten million of those, so they're already processing. That just means pulling out the ballots, and then they they just feed them on election day, so. The in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, they can't even uh, take the ballots out of their envelopes wow. until election day, and that's millions of votes that they have to un unwrap, right? Uh, unwrap. Uh, what do you call it? <laughs> Pull out from their envelopes. Wow, that's unbelievable. So, um, the Kavanaugh ruling the other day in the Supreme Court was really about it at the moment, but it kind of forecast what's going to happen. He said that any ballots that arrive after midnight in the mail cannot be counted. That's the point. yeah. Now he was he was a dissent at that in that in that decision, but it just sort of it definitely um forecasts that he's gonna that's part of their legal strategy obviously to try to block now this is Trump isn't necessarily just ballots that arrive after Right. election day right. they're going to try to stop the counting of all ballots that have not been counted election night which is so patently ridiculous that you'd think nobody's going to take this thing seriously except that they've just spent the last four year, years packing the courts with ideologues that will find some kind of excuse and you know what's amazing with that kavanaugh dissent as well is that he cited bush v gore Yes. Which the Supreme Court said, don't use this as president because it was such a BS decision to begin with that it was, they couldn't even justify it as president. And two, Kavanaugh was on Bush's team, legal team. He was one of Bush's lawyers arguing for the counting of, of certain ballots, very strategic, which ones they want to count it, which ones they want it thrown out. So, um, that is, I mean, he telegraphed her strategy and not only that, but it was the sloppiest piece of writing ever. He cited something that said something completely different. I mean, it was, a, it was, it was a terrible decision all around, but this just sort of, again, it's just a daily reminder that that court has to be expanded because they just, it was bad enough and they just made it worse. And I still don't understand why Mitch McConnell, he had a five, four majority on the court, why he wouldn't just let sleeping dogs lie. He just, you know, me and you, we've been talking about expanding the court for all year, right? But nobody was taking us seriously. Right. I mean, it wasn't mainstream thinking. And then, and then, uh, um, McConnell just did us a favor. Yeah. Just did us a favor. So, um, 
Yeah, the, the only three states that that are competitive that will have these counting issues are Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. So if we can win some of these other states, then it it, it renders them moot. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of you haven't been taking Marcos and me seriously for the past 10 years. We hope you are now. You better now. We've been telling you <laughs> all of this time. Um, so folks, this is it. Um, get out. If you have not mailed your ballot in yet, strongly suggest you drop it off. If you have. Oh, yeah. Don't mail now. Do not mail. Do not. Mail. It's not even strongly, strong, strong, strongly suggest. If you mail it now, assume you won't get counted. Mm, yeah. So drop it off. Drop it off. And and be sure it happens. Marcos, uh, we will see um, what happens on Tuesday night. What's your gut telling you, man? Think we got my gut. My gut's telling me we we're, we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna win the the we're gonna get to fifty fairly easily in the Senate. It's gonna be Maine, Colorado, uh, North Carolina, and um, Arizona. We're gonna win those Senate seats. We're gonna lose Alabama. That'll get us to fifty fifty Senate uh, with a Harris tiebreaker vote because I'm feeling good about the presidential. Um, of course, that's not going to get us to where we need to get. So we need more. We need more seats. We're looking. We're slightly ahead in the Iowa Senate race. I'm feeling good about that. I'm feeling good about the two seats in Georgia. So that gets us to 53-47 Senate. That's almost where we need to be. And I think we're slightly behind in Montana, in Kansas, South Carolina, in Texas. That's the difference between a good night and a holy crap. <laughs> we have obliterated the Republicans. We have a 10-seat Senate majority. We can actually get things done. I think we're going to pick up quite a few seats in the House, which is amazing considering that we picked up 41 seats last time. These are still Republican-drawn districts, and we have a big majority, and I think that majority is going to expand by at least a dozen, if not about 20 seats. It's looking pretty good for us in the House. And um, then uh, there's state legislatures at stake in Arizona, in Texas. Um, and I'm really hopeful that all this energy that we've seen at the top is actually going to permeate down to the state races. Don't neglect your state races, your down-ballot races. Those are critically important. Those legislatures will be drawing the new districts, both local state districts and the U.S. House districts. This is really, really, really important. So I'm feeling really, really good about it. I think I see people motivated and mobilized, and I hope everybody takes this last few days and this next weekend to really work on getting out the vote because, again, uh, we can reshape American democracy with things like expanding the Supreme Court and statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico, uh, maybe even statehood for Navajo Nation. There's a whole sort of movement budding there to actually give American Indians their own state. Um, there is the possibility of, oh, not we need to have national voting standards. We can't do what we, we're doing now, where you have to look up, well, does Texas count the votes or not? Like, we, we can't do that. That is ridiculous. Everybody's votes should be counted. And there should be standards to make sure everybody is on the same page. These are things that can reshape our American democracy, but we're not going to get there unless we have that best night, 54, 55, 56 seats in the Senate. It's doable, tough, but uh, we're that close. We're that close. Yeah. Yeah. My man. Marcus. So, Mark, let me one quick pitch. Dailycoast.com slash GOTV. GOTV for Get Out the Vote. We have a list you know, move on and sister district, like all these organizations that are doing get out the vote operations. We have a bunch of stuff. There's something on that list that you might want to do. There's calling into Texas. There's calling into Pennsylvania. There's, uh, there's signing up for the, for the Biden campaign. Like we have, <clears throat> we just listed everybody's GOTV options and I, I'm not a phone person. I'm just not going to do that. But there, so look at the list. There's other things you could do. Like I wrote postcards too late for postcards now, but there's still things that you can do. So dailycoast.com slash GOTV. Find something to do if you're not already uh, doing GOTV. Dailycoast.com slash GOTV. Um, before we go, one other thing. You wrote a, a piece on Mike Espy, um, and that's tough. Um, Mike's a friend. I have a lot of regard for him. He gave one of the best interviews ever. I've ever heard of any politician on the show a few 
days ago. And this is literally because, I mean, there's a surge. We walked through some of his numbers, which don't look bad, especially now that he's saying, you know, the white college age students who were activated by George Floyd. OK, and got that flag taken down. We've been trying to get that flag down for 50 years. He feels like he's going to get them, but it still seems like um, I mean, he believes he's going to win. But the, an analyst analysis says it's going to just cut it real close. He already had a runoff with her what a couple of years ago. Um, but, man, if there was something we could do um, at the last minute, that winning a, a state that we've not had since Reconstruction. Yeah, I mean, it would it would be something. The um, we we pulled at Civics did, and Trump is winning by like fifteen, and and SB is only down by eight, which is um, still tough to overcome. But it's not that big of a number. And the, and the problem he has, it's a problem every Democrat has had in Mississippi, is that only about ten to. 18%, 12 to 18% of white people vote Democratic. I mean, if, if you look at a uh, white person in Mississippi, unless you're downtown <laughs> in some city, right? It's probably a Republican you're looking at. And so, and there's huge, huge numbers of black voters who just don't, uh, black um, residents who don't vote, right? It, it's the same problem we saw in Georgia for a long time. White people Republican, black people don't vote. That was the problem, and that shifted, and a lot, you know, a lot of that has been this massive voter registration effort. One million new voters in four years will change things. It that that will have an impact. Also, those um, Georgia has has those big Atlanta suburbs, and those flipped. I um, Mississippi. I I don't know if there's a big suburban Montgomery. Um, sort of world and I haven't dug into it enough. And I bet you there is. So there's probably room to grow there. But a big part of it's going to be exactly what happened in Georgia, right? Get black people to, you know, registered and get them activated to vote. And these are people who are like, why should I vote? Because nothing ever happens. Um, and then we need to make inroads with those Mississippi white people. And, and young voters are definitely, you know, a source of hope. Can we flip suburban voters in Mississippi like the rest of the nation? So there, there, there's a path. I don't know if we're there right this year, but I actually think Mississippi, if, if we can lock down Georgia and Texas votes blue, I think Mississippi may be my next project, Mark. That may be the, my next obsession, seeing how we can flip that state. And it's not a state that that is very important from a presidential level. It's a state that's important from our legacy, historical legacy with slavery. And it's, it's the largest black uh, population of any state in the country. It's uh, almost 40%. And, we have a Senate that is already biased against, um, you know, against liberals. It's biased towards rural conservative white voters. So let's get another state like Mississippi that it, it's two seats count just as much as everybody else's two seats. So, you know, any state that we can flip is, is helpful. So I actually think um, Mississippi is a candidate for the next Georgia but let's make Georgia the, the next Georgia. <laughs> so that's what I'm focused on right now. Uh, but I, I, I think SP is a great candidate and I hope he, um, I hope he keeps up the fight because even if he comes up short this year, uh, I think there's something there. Yeah, I, I, I should hope so. Um, and last, last thing I promise, but you're in the Bay area. So even though, I mean, is, is the state, happy about the Dodgers, but in the Bay Area, I guess y'all still hate the Dodgers. Oh, what. no, people here hate the Dodgers. Um, <laughs> even, so I, I'm, a, I'm a Cubs fan, so um, I, I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have that visceral hatred for the Dodgers that my that my that the locals here do. <laughs> so no, they're not celebrating up here, Mark. <laughs> even though it's, it's California and a pandemic. Nope. Okay. No, 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 no. Southern California is a whole different country. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole different world down there. Well, man, the, the next time we talk, um, at the earliest, it'll be election day, but if not the day after or something, I don't know, but folks, um, go again, dailycoast.com slash GOTV. There's still something you can do rather than just be nervous, be active, be active, turn that nervous energy and anxiety into action. So go to dailycoach.com slash GOTV and see how you can get involved or contact some of these campaigns directly. You may just want to call Mike in Mississippi and make some calls for him. Just do that. It won't hurt. Um, it can only help. 
Marcos Melissa's a special edition of Thursday Coast here on Make It Plain. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, everybody, for doing everything you've done to get us to where we are today. This hasn't happened in the vacuum. We, we built this as a movement. Thank you. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.